Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 11. On this week's show, we're sharing stories and experiences from our first Royal Caribbean cruise. It's not just my story. I'll be sharing stories from our readers' first Royal Caribbean cruise, too, because after all, this podcast is all about our listeners. We're going to talk about what we liked and what kept us coming back again and again to Royal Caribbean. We'll also have more of our listener feedback, including lots of comments on last week's show all about Royal Caribbean's unlimited drink packages. Here we go. Today, most people listening to this podcast have cruised with Royal Caribbean before, and in many cases, have become super fans with many Royal Caribbean cruises under their belt. But once we were all new to Royal Caribbean, and I find the why and the what of booking a first Royal Caribbean cruise fascinating, so this week, we're going to be sharing what our first Royal Caribbean experiences were and why we keep coming back. Now, for me, my first Royal Caribbean cruise was on Explorer of the Seas on a nine-night Eastern Caribbean cruise out of Port Liberty, New Jersey, all the way back in 2006. Now, this wasn't our first cruise. We had cruised on Disney Cruise Line earlier, maybe a year or two before that, but wanted to see what else was out there. And this time, we wanted something a little bit more because Disney Cruise Line didn't offer very different itineraries. In fact, they only had two ships back then. And again, their itineraries were very much all the same to the Bahamas. We wanted to go elsewhere, and we wanted to go on these mega cruise ships that we'd heard so much about. So we were drawn to this cruise for two reasons, the ship and the ports. Now, the ship, Explorer of the Seas, is a Voyager-class ship and significantly larger than the Disney Wonder, which is the ship we had been on earlier. Now, we'd heard a lot about these different ships that Royal Caribbean had, and at the time, the Voyager-class was still a very large ship. In fact, Freedom-class was the largest in the world at the time, and Explorer and Voyager-class was still, you know, very close second. So it was a large ship, offered a lot. We had heard about the ice skating, the rock climbing wall, the various activities on board, and so much more. So again, a much larger experience, and the ship really drew us to that. And also the itinerary. It was a nine-night cruise, which was much longer than the three-night cruise that we had gone on with Disney. And we knew we liked cruising, so we wanted to really indulge. And we went full you know, circle. We went from the three-night cruise, which is pretty much the shortest cruise you can take, to a nine-night cruise, which is a fairly long cruise for, for anyone, really. So we went on the ship what we liked. Well, really, the first thing that drew us was the main dining room experience. We loved that the waiters got to know our names. We had a great waiting staff. It was really probably one of the best waiting staff we had. They just knew everything. It was one of the, not just they knew everything what we wanted and delivered it. They were also friendly, funny, and it seemed like every evening we looked forward to seeing them. We also enjoyed being able to order different foods to try, and our family is really kind of a foodie family. We like to try different foods and, and see what else is out there, and it was really a lot of fun. We enjoyed that quite a bit. And we also enjoyed the various ports of calls that we went to. Unlike going to the Bahamas, which is fairly pedestrian, you know, we were going to St. Mar- uh, Thomas, to San Juan, Puerto Rico, a lot of interesting islands that we visited. And frankly, it was it was really interesting that we got to go to some places that we really never thought we might go to anytime soon. And the, the experiences were quite good as well. This was also the cruise that my sister coined the famous name, the Windjammer for the Windjammer. And I told that story last week in why that becomes such a family joke for everybody. But, you know, it's little things like that that add up. So we had a great time, obviously. So why we decided to cruise the Royal Caribbean again? Well, I think first and foremost, the value of the cruise. We really felt at the time, and still very much the case, that Royal Caribbean offered a great price for everything that was included, and there was a lot on board included for that. We loved the idea of having the Royal Promenade, the ice skating rink, the various pool activities, the rock climbing wall, the walking track. It was just there was a lot that we felt that it came with the cruise experience. And the food, again, as I mentioned, we love to eat and try new food. And honestly, we found the experience better on Royal Caribbean in terms of culinary offerings. And this is a trend that's held up 
really ever since. We've I've always been a big fan of the food that they offer on Royal Caribbean Cruises. I feel that it ranges from good to excellent, and it's just a matter of you know where you're going in between those two areas. But the food really got us uh, very quickly on, much more so than the Disney food. And the service. And I really feel that the most underrated aspect of what Royal Caribbean offers is the service the crew provides. So many crew members bend over backwards, it seems, to help make our cruise a little bit better. And you know what? It really, really shows. And it's something that really drew our family back. And, and I've been going back ever since because I know that the crew members, both in the main dining room, as I mentioned earlier, the stateroom attendants, the entertainment staff, everybody is looking to make our cruise better. And it's not just them telling you that. They show it in their actions. And, of course, the ship. We had a great time in Explorer. We thought Explorer this Seas was a beautiful ship, and it really got us hooked on the big cruise ship idea. And ever since, we've been going on bigger and bigger ships. For the most part, we checked out, of course, uh, a Radiance-class ship, Jewel of the Seas, the other week. But that being said, we've, we've really loved the idea of going on large cruise ships and really indulging in that experience. However, that was just my first cruise experience. I also posted this question a couple weeks ago on the RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com message boards, and I got some great responses from all of you. So let's kick things off with our first story, and that's going to be coming from Julie, who writes, Our first Royal Caribbean cruise was on Oasis of the Seas the year she debuted. We had read so much about her that we just had to try it for ourselves. We took a Western Caribbean cruise, and it was really amazing. Since then, we were hooked. Julie, I think that makes perfect sense to me. I know that when I cruise on Oasis of the Seas, I was much like you. I'd heard a lot of stuff about it. It wasn't the year that it debuted, but I think it was the year right after that. But we went on there, and we totally got why the the wows that were coming from everybody were there. Great cruise. Next, we have Patty G of Northern Virginia. Our first Royal Caribbean cruise was on Majesty of the Seas, a four-night out of Miami. It was something I'd always wanted to do, but my husband was leery because he thought he would be bored. By the time we got off the ship, we were already planning our next trip to Bermuda and another one that we would take the family with. These days, when I talk to a new person into giving it a try, we book a short Majesty trip and get them hooked as well. My husband and I go on longer trips for ourselves, but I don't mind planning a shorty in between. And that's great. I, I agree with you, Patty, about sharing the magic, the experience of a cruise with someone who may or may not, you know, be totally on board with the idea. But I love, you know, bringing them on the, you know, four night cruise is a great starting cruise. I know that, as I mentioned earlier, I went on a three night cruise and, you know, it's a great way to hopefully get them hooked. And hopefully they'll also be coming back to Royal Caribbean because I think just like you, Patty, they'll enjoy the offerings. Tyler from Michigan writes, my first cruise was 2005 on Explorer the Seas. Oh, see, there, Tyler and I, we're, we're Explorer the Seas newbies. <laughs> I didn't know anything about cruising, wasn't a member of Cruise Critic, had never seen photos of the ship, deck plans, or anything. I do a fair amount of planning now, but when I first sailed, I didn't plan anything. We just got on and went with the flow. And I will have to tell you, it was an amazing experience. Since I'm still cruising 10 years later, obviously it was good. As I said before, I do plan things more out now, but I don't overplan. I've been a member of Cruise Critics since 2005 and have read many posts about people planning every single detail of every minute. And honestly, I think this is silly. It's a vacation after all. And yes, some planning is involved, but not required. Just so just have fun with it. If you do too much, it ends up feeling less like a vacation or more like work. My advice for first time cruisers or newly repeat cruisers is to go with no expectations and just know that you're going to have a great time. Otherwise, depending on your comfort level, you might be disappointed. Treat the staff with respect and they will do the same to you. Love the advice, Tyler. I think it is important to be able to relax at some point and let the cruise happen and not worry about every single detail. I know that I'm definitely an over planner, but that being said, you know, there gets a point where I say, all right, 
I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. And you know what? I've had plenty of my plans blow up in my face. And you know what happens? I still have a great time. So I'm glad to hear that, Tyler, that you had a good time. And as I said earlier, we're, we're both uh, first timers on Explore the Seas. Next, we have Don from Greenville, South Carolina, who writes, Dire emergency on Song of America at a Cosmel. Crews aborted, limped back to Miami. So why is that memorable? Unbelievable staff and crew emergency response and management and fantastic recovery for a fun-filled trip back to Miami, albeit listing rather badly under one engine power. Early back in port equals no dock space, no problem. Drop anchor offshore and party for two days with a great Miami skyline view and flotilla of local boaters checking us out. Just another Royal Caribbean at the time, basic success story. Staff and crew excelled with front face like nothing happened. Been a Royal Caribbean fan ever since. And, you know, it's unfortunately not great circumstances, but you know what? Just like Don said, they made the best out of it, the crew. And that's really what brings me back is they, the crew will make the best of anything. Great example of this, when I was on my Jewel Ulysses cruise the other month, it was really, really hot out. I think we were in Barbados. And the crew offered us not just towels when we, and water when we came back on, but the towels were actually had ice on them. Again, they're just trying to make everybody's life just a little bit easier. And it really does show. Rock Razor from Riverside, California, right? My first cruise was on board Vision of the Seas in October 2003. Wow. We were supposed to cruise the Mexican Riviera, but two hurricanes rerouted us to San Francisco, Catalina Island, and Ensenada. Best vacation I had to date. Five months later, I was on Merit of the Seas and been hooked for life. Great story. And you know what? Just like Don, something bad happens, but they make the best of it. And there's something to be said about that. And it's interesting that Merit of the Seas was the next cruise because I believe... Mariner of the Seas was my next cruise after Explorer of the Seas. That was actually my honeymoon cruise. So I'm making connections with all of, all of our readers and listeners today. Bryce wrote, Majesty of the Seas, four-night Bahamas in June 2002. What hooked me was the Viking Crown Lounge. From the time I was a child, I always enjoyed people watching, animal watching, just sitting alone. But as a child, I was banned from being unaccompanied in many good watching spots. Enter Royal Caribbean's Viking Crown Lounge. I could walk up there on my own, sit for hours, and not be bothered or kicked out for being unaccompanied minor. I'd order virgin pina coladas, and the bartenders adored me. Would always randomly bring me pretzels and peanuts, etc. I was hooked all the way back at the age of 13. I still have a soft spot in my heart for majesty. May hop back on board in December. Great story, Bryce. And you know what? That's the other thing about cruising with Royal Caribbean, especially for kids who, you know, the, the teenage years where, you know, mo most places, they, they really can't be on their own. But on a cruise ship, it's a very safe experience, and it sounds like you had a great time as well. RM1SW, great name there, said, my first trip will be on Navigator this is in September 2014, so I am patiently waiting. Well, I hope that you're going to be hooked just like everybody else here. Navigator is going to be a beautiful ship, and I think you're going to have a great time as well. Night Glow said, my first trip is on Oasis of the Seas in three weeks to the Eastern Caribbean for seven days. I'll come back and give a full report. I'll be taking notes and recording so I don't forget anything. There you go, another newbie to Royal Caribbean, and I think just like our previous person there, you're going to have a great time as well. These are just some of the great stories we had from our listeners and readers here on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. And again, we want to hear about your stories. So you know what? We got some time on some future episodes. Email us, tweet us, Facebook us, post on the episode comments what your first experience was on a Royal Caribbean ship and why you kept coming back because we love sharing those things on this podcast. So thank you so much for everyone being a part of the show. Since episode one of this podcast, I've wanted to make this show all about our listeners. It's not just about me talking to you guys. I want this to be an interactive experience. And I think that today's topic about 
first time cruises really shows that. But we've got even more of your comments because we've got so many great emails, tweets, Facebook messages about the unlimited alcohol packages from episode 10. So let's dive right in and actually some other questions as well. First was, Christopher, just listen to your podcast and really enjoyed your description of the various options and other ways to pay for drinks outside of Royal Caribbean's packages. My wife and I are fortunate to be Diamond Plus members, so we get enough free drinks to keep us happy. Podcasts of this nature are important for cruisers since it gives a personal, informative viewpoint, which you deliver well. Thank you, Christopher. really appreciate that. And you know, I, you're totally right about the Diamond Plus members. They get access to the Concierge Lounge, and that's a great place to get some free drinks. And if you got that, who needs a drink package, right? Next is a comment from Judy Hornbeck, who writes, Matt, I listen to your Unlimited Alcohol podcast and had another idea on how to tell if it's worth it to buy the package. If you've sailed before and kept your cruise bill, they love to give you at the end of the cruise, you can add up your bar tab. Don't forget those tips that are added on also. I hate to admit it, but we spent way more than the package would have benefited us. When you spread out drinking during the day, it's easy to reach that limit and have fun too. Happy sailing. Judy, that's a great idea. And if you you keep those receipts or just that last bill like you mentioned, it's a great way to figure it out, especially if you just go for the first cruise, see how it goes, just drink, you know, what you normally, whatever you feel like, and see where it would end up being, and that way you know for the next cruise if it's going to make sense or not. Next, we have a comment from Brian Childress, again on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I'm officially feeling like a stalker now, Matt. I randomly searched for Cruise Compass PDFs, and bam, there's Matt from WW Today. I guess I have a new podcast to listen to now. Anyway, one comment on the unlimited alcohol packages. If you have to book two rooms due to size of family, say five total, two adults, three kids, make sure the two adults are split. This way, you won't be forced to pay for drinks for the non-drinker, like my wife, won't have. I absolutely agree with you about the Oasis-class ship itineraries. Three days at sea is a good value. Brian's a great point, actually a great tip, especially for anyone who has, like my wife is exactly the same way, Brian. She's not as much of a drinker as as me. I would love to be able to check out the package and indulge a little bit. So if we get to the point where we need two staterooms, that makes perfect sense to split it up a little bit, you know, put one kid in the room with me, someone else with my wife, and, you know, we kind of split up that way. So great tip. Thank you. Going to the Royal Caribbean blog Facebook page, Glenn Reynolds posted a message says, enjoy the podcast. Should you be factoring in rough sea days? Also an equation of value for money in the drink packages as well. That's a good question, Glenn. You know, when I plan my cruises in general, I don't really plan on rough sea days, partially because I'm optimistic and hoping for the best. You know, obviously, if it's really rough, it's kind of hard. It's not a great idea to drink anyway. But you know what? That's kind of part of it. If you're worried about that, maybe you're going during hurricane season. Yeah, maybe that kind of would be a reason not to book the package. Again, it comes up to what the itinerary is that you're going on. And of course, you know, how much of a drinker you are. So it's certainly something to keep in mind. So thank you for bringing that to our attention, Glenn. Over on Twitter, we got some great tweets as well. Paul Westbrook, thank you for the new show. That and alcohol to boot. That's what I call hump day. Thank you. Jules, I remember them so well. The alcohol packages. Okay, only just remember them. Hiccup. <laughs> a lot of funny tweets, so thank you for that. And lastly on Twitter, we have a message from Michael Eads. Love the latest podcast on all-inclusive drink packages. Learned a lot. Thank you so much. Great tweets. Thank you guys so much. And our last comment is back on Facebook. It's from Jackie Hall. Listening to the podcast and just want to say thank you again for the podcast. I'm really enjoying them. Love your idea on the prepaid card to use for the alcohol. We're going on an adult's cruise with three sea days, so I'm thinking we get our money's worth having the package. One thing I'm going to try is to get one of the unlimited soda cups when I get on board, because a lot of the time I'll be drinking Diet Coke, and it's so easy to get the Coke machines and fill up there. One question about the package that I never seem to get an answer is, are the freshly squeezed premium orange juice that normally charge extra for included in the package? Thanks again, Matt, for sharing your experiences. When is your next cruise? Well, Jackie, thanks for the comments, and 
Actually, the fresh squeezed orange juice in the Windjammer is not included, unfortunately. So, it's something to consider if that's a big importance to you. Um, but actually, right now, my next cruise isn't is only only <laughs> the RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com group cruise on Quantum of the Seas in March 2015. Which, by the way, if anyone's interested, I'd love to have you on board. I'll put a link in the show notes to that for more information. But you know what? I think I'm needing to cruise sooner than that. So I'm starting to toy with some ideas for some 2014 cruises, and we'll see what happens. But you know, as soon as I have a cruise booked, you guys are gonna be the first to know because I'll be posting all about it on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And thank you for all the great feedback on the unlimited alcohol packages. I know there's a lot of questions, comments, and thoughts out there. Love to get more feedback on it because it's always a changing and topic. And you know what? People have different opinions on it. Maybe something I didn't consider. So, you know, feel free to keep sending those in if you have an idea. We also have some more questions and comments to squeeze in here. You know, we got a little bit of time, so let's go right to it. Noreen Pratt sent me an email and says, I just had to contact you to thank you for the spectacularly well-written blogging article on your recent Jewel of the Seas cruise. I'll be departing on the same ship and itinerary this coming Saturday. I printed them all out for reading on the plane. I'm still digging to find your excursion reviews. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll be having as much sunshine as you did, but we'll make the best of it. Noreen, you're going to have a great time. It was a fa- We had a, an amazing time, as you might have heard or read, and I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So best of luck to you, and I'm hoping that the weather will hold out for you just as much as it did for us. Next is an email from Sean Wallace. Hi, Matt. Had a question about traveling with two kids in the cabin, two-year-old and five-year-old, possibly on Freedom of the Seas next summer. What are your thoughts on the Pullman beds? Are the rails adjustable? I can't find any good pictures online of a room with Pullman beds for Freedom class. And I'm not sure how the two of them will fit on a sleeper sofa would work out. So any other suggestions, love the podcast and the website. Well, Sean, the Pullman beds, for those who are underwear, the Pullman beds are the beds that come out of the ceiling, essentially. Basically, during the day, they're, they're up. But during turndown service, your stateroom attendant will pull them down, and they come from the ceiling, and they come down probably about, you know, it's like a bunk bed without the, the bunk underneath. I think they're great ideas for space because they're, you know, that way you don't have to have beds all on the floor. The problem with the pulling beds, as an example, in many cases, the pulling bed extends down right over the main bed, the master bed, whatever you want to call it. My wife will never do that. She finds it terribly claustrophobic, and it kind of scary, to be honest, because if they fall out of the bed they'll <laughs> fall right on you. I don't think that's the case. And frankly, you know, if you want to fit everybody in one room and save a little bit of money, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that can definitely be a good thing. There are the pull-out bed out of the, there's the sofa, couch, whatever you want to call it. My two-and-a-half-year-old daughter slept in that. No problem at all. So I know you have a two-year-old there, Sean. That'll be great. The five-year-old probably will need that pull-in bed, but I would definitely go with that option. It's not really not bad. It's just you're going to be kind of crowded when it's nighttime, but, you know, that's only sleeping. I mean, you're going to get up and go and no worries at all. In regards to the Pullman rails being adjustable, I'm not a thousand percent sure. And certainly if any of our listeners know about that, I'd love to hear about that. Just email me matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I do know they go around the bed. They don't go the entire length, but they should keep the kids safe. And I wouldn't worry about that all too much. Last, we've got an email this time from Paul Westbrook, who tweeted us earlier writes, Matt, love your show on your thoughts on going into preparing to book and go on a recent cruise. Then that goes great with your review of your trip. Too many times we just know the review of the trip. You know better than me that prep is sometimes more fun than the trip itself. At least it's entertaining for a longer period of time. I, for one, would love to have more before and after episodes about experienced cruisers' thoughts, preps, and trips. I'm not looking for a guest spot here. I've only just booked our second cruise with MEI's help, thanks, on Freedom of the Seas. Thanks to you and Mike for that episode as well. Take good care. It's a great point, Paul, about you know the before and after, and that's why 
what's great about this podcast and about this blog, Royal Caribbean blog, is we have the ability to dive into the before and after because you're absolutely right. You know, you have all these great plans before, but how does it actually work out? And how does it work out not only in, in the grand scheme of things, but how did it work out compared to what your plans were? So personally, I, I will definitely be doing that. Anytime we bring people on the show, be it cruise reviews or anything like that, we'll definitely make that a point. So thank you so much for everybody who contributed in the show and with the comments. And again, if you want to be part of this podcast, we welcome it with open arms. We want you to send us comments, thoughts. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm right, if you have a suggestion, we want to hear it. You can, of course, email us, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. You can post a message on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash royalcaribbeanblog. You can tweet us. We are at the RCL blog on Twitter. And of course, you can call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling... 408-676-9256. Once more, thank you to everybody who contributed to this show. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon.